If you have your Bible today, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 17 in verse number 14. And really what we're going to see in the story that we're going to be reading about Jesus is real simple. Jesus, he is good. He is a good and a mighty God and he loves, he loves you. And what he is looking for in your life, in my life, is he's just looking for faith. He's looking for you to have faith in him. And what's interesting is he's just looking for a little bit of faith. Uh, there is a, a, a story, it's back, I think it's about the 1920s or 1930s. There was a little girl that wanted to go to this particular church in Philadelphia. And uh, so she went to the church and it was jam-packed with people. It was so full that they could not let her in. They said, there's, just, there's not any more room in here. And so she, they sent her home. And it was like that every week. And so the little girl made a commitment. She said, I am going to start raising as much money, saving as much money as I can, so that that church can build a new space so that somebody like me can go to church. Well, she ended up saving 57 cents, but before she was able to save any more, something happened to the little girl, and she died. Now, the father was cleaning out her room, and whenever he was in her room cleaning it up, he found this little envelope with the church's name, Temple Baptist Church, on it for the building fund, and he opened it up, and there was that 57 cents in there. So he told the pastor about it, and the pastor stood before the church, and he preached a sermon and told him, he said, there are people who need to hear about Jesus. He said, we need to build so that people like this little girl can come to church here. Well, there was a realtor that was in the crowd that day, and when he heard the story, he went and he told the pastor, he said, I have a piece of property, it's right next to the church. He said, I will sell it to you, but it's going to cost you. He said, it's going to cost you 57 cents. And so they gave the 57 cents to the realtor. They sold him the property. Out of that sale, something pretty incredible happened. A new church was built. A facility was built. Temple University came out of that girl's 57-cent offering. The medical school came out of that girl's 57-cent offering. And I thought it was an interesting story because here's a little girl, and she had about 57 cents worth of faith. And God took that 57 cents and he multiplied it. And whenever you look in Scripture, you see God does stuff like this over and over again. I mean, whenever I look into the Scripture, I see the story about Jesus, and he's, he's teaching a group of 5,000 men plus women and children, probably around 20,000 people, and they start getting hungry. And so Jesus receives an offering from a little boy of five loaves of bread and two fish. And what did Jesus do with that small offering? He multiplied it. He took care of 20,000 people with it. I, whenever I look into the scripture, I, I'm reminded of the story whenever there was a, a widow that Jesus was watching and she was giving her offering and she just gave a couple of cent offering to the temple. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, this lady has given more than anybody else because she gave all that she had, whereas everybody else was giving out of their excess. Now, whenever I see stuff like this, I'm reminded that God always acts on faith. And so there's some of us, we wonder, where, where is God? What, what, is, what is God doing? Does he still do anything today? And I want you to know God still moves, God's still active, but he's looking to be active where there are displays of faith in him. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see that Jesus always responds to acts of faith. And here's what I like about the scripture we're going to look at today. Jesus doesn't tell us 
what the size of our faith is supposed to be. He just says, have some faith. And so the message today is that a little faith, it really can go a long way. So the question for you and for me is, well, how much faith or what kind of faith do we have? And if I have any faith, can God do anything with it? And so that's why we're going to look in Matthew 17 and verse number 14. And I'll give you a little bit of background information here. Jesus had taken his disciples, three of them, uh, Peter, James, and John, on top of a mountain. Now, more than likely, most scholars think it was Mount Hermon, which is like a 10,000-foot-tall mountain in northern Israel. And Jesus took three of his disciples there for a little mountain getaway. Now, while they were away, it was there on top of that mountain that Jesus revealed his glory to his disciples. Uh, Something rather incredible happened when they were on that mountain. In Matthew 17, verses 2 and 3, it says, Jesus was transformed in front of them, and his face shone like the sun. Even his clothes became as white as the light. And then here's what's interesting as well. It says, and suddenly... Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Now that is a mind-blowing experience right here. Something, a transformation happens to Jesus. Some Old Testament prophets show up and the disciples are there to witness it all. It's an incredible moment. And this was an affirmation of the disciples' faith that Jesus really was the Son of God. I mean, it's really incredible. And so they're on top of this mountain. They have a mountaintop experience And they start coming down the mountain, and when they come down the mountain, there's a crowd that's around the other nine disciples who were left behind. What had happened is there was a a boy who was demon-possessed, said he had epilepsy, he was demon-possessed, and the disciples were trying to cast the demon out of him to heal the boy, and nothing was happening. And this is absolutely, I mean, it it blew their minds, and they saw Jesus, they're like, what's going on here? We've done this before, but it's not working today, Why? And Jesus told him, it's because of your little faith. And actually the translation is, it's because of your lack of faith. And this story is a reminder to me that if we really want to see God move, we want to see God do powerful works in our lives, we want to see God change the lives of people, restore people, heal people, then faith is required. And God acts on faith no matter how big, or how small. Now, if you're like me, you might say, well, I have faith, but I'm afraid to say it, it's, just, it's a little bit. So can a little bit of faith do anything? If you have a little bit of faith in Jesus, does it, does it impact anything? I, I just want you to see with me that a little bit of faith goes a long way. You know, what does a little bit of faith do? When I look in our text today, I see a little bit of faith, it influences others. If you just have a little bit of faith, it makes a difference in the lives of other people. Now, I want you to look in verse 14. It says, when they reached the crowds, Jesus and the three disciples, a man approached and knelt down before him. Lord, he said, have mercy on my son, because he has seizures and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. Now it says, when Jesus came down the mountain, there's a crowd of people there. Now why was there a crowd of people there? Well, because crowds like to gather where there's something going on. You know, when there's some kind of a stir or commotion, we like stuff like that. You know, if you drive by a restaurant and it's crowded with people, then we know the food on the inside must be pretty good. 
uh, whenever you go by a movie theater and it's jam-packed with cars, one of the thoughts I have is, well, there must be a good movie that's showing there. So that's the good side of crowds. Now, there's a bad side of crowds as well. Whenever we see mayhem, whenever we see disasters and anger and fighting and bad drivers, a crowd, have you ever driven on the road and you see all the cars backed up? I mean, it's at a standstill, but there's no accident in front of you. Does that drive you all nuts like it does me? You know why they're doing that? Because something on the other side of the road has happened and they want to see the disaster. Now, if you're one of those people that does that, you are not going to heaven. I'm just telling you that right now. So but we, we, like, we, we see crowds whenever there is disaster and mayhem. Okay, so why was there, I was kidding, by the way, but not much. So, so why was there a crowd in our text? Because there was a boy that was having seizures. And people, they start gathering around, what's going on? And so the disciples are trying to intervene. The disciples are trying to do something for this boy. But they can't. Now, why, why did the father have this boy in this area in the first place? Well, it was because he'd heard about Jesus. You read in the chapters preceding this one, you're going to see Jesus perform miracles. You'll see Jesus, I mean, he fed thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of small fish. You see that he healed people with deformities. He healed people who were blind. He healed people who had leprosy. All these diseases. And this man had heard the story. And so here's his son. He is having seizures. And his parents, you know this, you will do anything for your children so they don't hurt. And then that's what, that's what is motivating the father. And he's thinking, Jesus is coming to town. I've got a chance. Got a chance to see my boy's life changed. Now, did he have a big faith in Jesus? The same story is told in the book of Mark. And when Jesus comes up to him, he says, Lord, if you can do anything, heal my son. And Jesus I, I, Jesus says, what do you mean if I can do anything? I'm a son of God. I do whatever I want to do. And then the, the, the father responds, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, this man said, Jesus, I believe. And then he says, help my unbelief. Any of y'all ever felt that way before? Jesus, I believe in you, but I'm, my faith is really small. Please help my unbelief. That is my prayer. Now, that's the kind of faith that this man had. Now, we know he had some kind of faith in Jesus because he brought his son to Jesus. You know, that's our calling as well. You, you want to see your faith impact the lives of other people, then you must bring people to Jesus. Now that is contrary to what, what we are told today. We are told this. It's okay if you have faith, but you keep your faith to yourself. It's okay if you believe in Jesus. It's okay if you, if you follow Jesus, but just make sure that your faith is private. And we hear that all the time. I mean, and we've, I've said this before. You'll see sometimes when people are running for office, they think it's a really good thing to say, I have faith, but I do not allow my faith to influence my decisions. And so that's how they say, my faith is private. Did you know there are examples in the Bible of a faith that is kept private? One of the first things I thought of was the story of the Good Samaritan. You might remember that story Jesus told that there was a man that had been beaten on a road, left for dead, been robbed. He's lying on the ground, he's helpless, nobody knows if he's dead or alive. And the first two people who walk by him are religious people. The preachers. 
And they walked by and they see the man and they kept on walking. Now let me tell you what they did. They made sure that their faith remained private. Now, did their private faith make any impact or effect on that other man's life? Absolutely not. Now, if you want your faith to make a difference, if we want to make an impact on the people around us, then our faith must be active. So what do we do? We bring people to Jesus. We act. We don't just sit by passively and let the world go by and let people live the same way that they live over and over again with the same results, which is disaster, and not being fulfilled. And we get up and we share with them about a God who is a good, good God. There was a bass tournament. That's a great segue. There was a bass tournament that was going on in Arkansas back in 2002. And as the tournament was going on, it was early in the morning. Some guys were fishing. They were fishing near the bridge on I-40. As they were fishing, there was a barge that was coming underneath it. And y'all might remember this story. Barge came underneath the bridge and hit the bridge and knocked out 600 feet of the bridge on I-40. It was an interstate. Right after it happened, there's still there's traffic coming. People are going to work. And they did not know the bridge was out, and cars were driving over the bridge, and there was a fisherman watching cars go over and trying to do whatever he could. He didn't just sit by passively. He reached down and found his emergency flare, and he fired it up into the air. Whenever he did, amazingly, that flare flew right up to the bridge, an 18-wheeler was coming to that span of bridge that had fallen off, and it hit his windshield. The guy loses control of the truck, turns it sideways, and it slides up right to the edge of the bridge, and it blocks traffic from continuing to drive over that span of I-40. Now, that was a man who said, I'm not going to sit by passively, I'm going to act. And he didn't know what else to do, but he just, he did the best he could, and lives were saved. Okay, church, here's the deal for us. We are the emergency flare. It's our job to fire it off, to fire off our flare of Jesus and who he is. And whenever we do that, let me tell you something, God will act. It will influence, it will touch people's lives. Whenever you allow your faith to interact with other people, this boy's life was going to be changed because of the dad. Now, what does a little bit of faith do? How far does it go? Well, it influences others. But here's something else a little bit of faith does. It's a conduit of God's power. Uh, In other words, your faith is a road that God will travel on to work. Now, if you don't have any faith, then that means that you don't have a road on which God will travel. And sometimes we're like, why why don't we see God move? Well, because you're not creating a road for God to travel on. Uh, Look with me in verses uh, 16 through 18. The father said, "I, I brought my son to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And then Jesus replied, you unbelieving and rebellious generation. How long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and from that moment, the boy was healed. All throughout Scripture, you're going to see the conduit of power where you begin to see God move. It comes about through the faith of people. That is the highway on which God operates. Now, let me give you a few examples. In Mark chapter 5, there was a woman that had, the Bible says, an issue of blood. She'd had it for 12 years. Jesus was coming through town, and she thought, if I can just touch the the hem of Jesus' robe, I'll, I'll be changed. I'll be healed. 
She touched him. She was healed. And Jesus said this to her in Mark 5.34. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. Another time, there were, there were ten men who were lepers. And they came to Jesus, having faith that Jesus could heal them. And Jesus touched them. He healed them. Only one man, y'all remember the story, only one leper came back to say, Jesus, thank you for healing me. And here's what Jesus said to him. In Luke 17, 19, he said, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. You see that? that when they had faith, that was the conduit of power through which God worked in order to transform a life. So then I look into our text, and I see that this father approached Jesus with his son. Now, why did he do it? Because he had faith that Jesus could do something for his boy. So what happened? Did Jesus do anything? Well, in Mark chapter 9, the same story is told. Now, the disciples tried to do something on their own at the beginning, and nothing happened. And so, as you can imagine, the religious leaders of the day who were jealous of Jesus, they're kind of excited about this. Hey, Jesus' disciples, they've screwed up here. I mean, finally, we found something that they can't do. And then Jesus shows up, he teaches them a lesson, and he tells them that they are an unbelieving and a rebellious generation. Now, do you see that? Whenever there is unbelief, you don't see any power. Whenever there is unbelief, God is not moving and operating. Jesus was, his hometown was Nazareth. And we know that when Jesus was in Nazareth, people questioned Jesus' identity and his power. In Matthew 13, 58, it says, Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their, what does it say? On Richland too. What did it say? Unbelief. Keith Price, man, we got to work on these people. Yeah, they're unbelief, right? So whenever there is unbelief, there is not power. Now, now why does God do that? I, I believe part of the reason why God's, God's a gentleman. He's not busting, he's not going to bust his way into your life. But he always operates on our faith. So then that's the question. Do you have any faith? Not how big is it, do you have any faith in Jesus? You know, there's a, a story back during World War II whenever the Germans were doing the blitz over England. They were bombing them almost daily in London. And some homes, a home had been hit, and a father grabbed his son. It was during the night. He grabbed his son, ran out of the house, seeking shelter, but the bombs were still dropping. He's looking for anything. And there happens to be a crater in the ground where he knows that he can jump in. He thought it might provide some sort of shelter. So he runs, he jumps into the crater, and he turns around to his son. He says, son, jump to me. And the boy won't jump. He's just standing there looking down. He says, son, jump. He said, dad, I can't. He said, why won't you jump? He said, because dad, I can't see you. And the father said to him, son, it's okay. I can see you. Jump. Because the son trusted his father, he jumped. His dad caught him. Now, guys, let me tell you something. As, As believers, if we follow Jesus, we have faith in Christ. We can face life, and we can face death, not because we are able to see into the future necessarily, but because we know that we are seen by God. Not because we know everything, but because we know that we are known by God the Father. That 
this faith. Now, the father had this kind of faith. He brought his son to Jesus. So what happened? In verse number 18, it says that Jesus rebuked the demon inside the boy. The, the word rebuked also is the word, it means commanded. And I like that one better. He commanded the demon to come out. Jesus did not, you know, ask pretty please, would you leave the boy? Jesus said, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to come out of that boy right now. And it, it showed that Jesus has power over all things. So then after he commanded the demon to leave, what happened? The end, of, the end of verse number 18 says, at that moment, the boy was healed. Why was the boy healed? Well, obviously, it was because of Jesus. But it all occurred not because of the faith of the boy, but because of the faith of the father. His faith transformed everything about the story. And your faith ought to transform everything about your story, my story. Whenever we see people who are broken... Whenever we are facing circumstances that we are unsure about, because of our faith, we should never quit. We should should never give up. We should always have hope. Well, why? Because of who Jesus is. You know, I love Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that is, if you don't know those verses, you, th- those, those ones you ought to underline. If Jesus says, I will guard your hearts and your minds. That word guard, it is a military term. It means a fortress, a fortification. God builds a wall of protection around your heart in order to provide you with peace and security and hope. Do you have it? I mean, th- think about what God promises you. God has promised forgiveness for those who entrust their lives to him. Now you can think about all the garbage decisions you've made in your life and the things that you've done that have hurt other people and Jesus says, trust in me, I will forgive you. Jesus says, you trust in me, when you die, you will live forever in heaven. Now, if you really believe that and have trust and faith in that, do you think that's going to make a difference in the way you live? It's going to make a difference in the way you approach life? Now, Now, what can a little bit of faith do? It influences other people. It's a conduit of God's power. And this is probably my favorite thing. Just a little bit of faith, here's what else it does. It produces A little bit of faith produces. Now look with me in verses 19 and 20. last two verses I'll read. It says, Then the disciples approached Jesus privately. And they said, Why couldn't we drive it, the demon, out? And Jesus said, Because of your little faith. And he told them, For I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Okay, so obviously something's wrong here, right, in the story. Here's the disciples, and they're thinking, Jesus said if I have just a little faith, I can move mountains, yet we can't even get this demon to come out of this boy. What's up with that? And they told Jesus, we've done this before. You know, we've gone out, we've cast out demons, and now all of a sudden we can't do it. Why? And then Jesus gives them a rebuke. He says, because of your lack of faith. 
Now, so why did they have a lack of faith? And I think there's a couple of possibilities. I think one, whenever they cast out the demon and he didn't come out immediately, you know, that would be a little bit shocking to them. Like, man, we've always done this and they always come out immediately. Now he's not, so their faith could have been shaken there. I think there's something else going on here as well. Remember at the beginning, I told you that three of the disciples went on a mountain getaway with Jesus. The other nine did not. Now, I know how I am. And if I'm one of the other nine, I can tell you what I'm thinking. What's so great about Peter, James, and John? I mean, they get to go on vacation. They get to hang out with Jesus. And I'm stuck with these other eight clowns who think that they're pretty spiritual. And so, I mean, those are some of the things that had to be probably running through their mind. And so now here comes a man bringing his son to Jesus to be healed, but Jesus isn't here. And here's what I think. I'm not saying this is scripture, right? This is just a thought. My thought is they thought, well, Jesus isn't here, but this is our chance to shine. We're going to cast out this demon and show Jesus that he should have taken us and not them. And so what happened? They were operating in their own power. They were operating in their own strength. Now, let me tell you something. Whenever you operate outside the power of Jesus and you decide you're going to operate in your own knowledge, in your own way, the result is always powerlessness. Nothing happened with that boy when they tried to do it. And I look at at the church today in general, I look at Christians today, and one of the big questions we have is, why aren't we seeing the power God? Why aren't we seeing more and more lives changed? And my fear is, because we are operating in our own power, not the power of God. So I look around, and I mean, y'all, we live in a confusing world today. A lot of strange stuff that's going on. I mean, you look at the world today, and, and, and we, are, we, we really are. It is a culture of death over life. We have 600,000 abortions that happen every year, and it's been going on for close to 50 years. We, can't, we don't even know what the difference anymore is between a man and a woman. I find out that, that just statistically speaking, that Christians concerning sharing their faith, being an influence with their faith, only 5% of Christians are actively engaged talking with other people about who Jesus is. And then we wonder, where is God? Why is he not involved? Well, that's why I find encouragement in this story. Jesus said, if you just simply have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Now, do you know how big a mustard seed is? Mustard seed is the size of the head of a straight pin. Now, that's interesting to me. Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Now, he he doesn't say that you have to have, you know, a a faith the size of a boulder. It's just a little bit of faith. A little bit of trust in him. Now, now, the, the size of our faith isn't what matters. What matters is in whom our faith is placed. And Jesus says, when you place it in me, you're going to see results. Well, what happened in our text? Well, I look in our text and I see Jesus healed the boy immediately. 
And then Jesus gets more, more specific. He says, if you have faith, at the end of verse number 20, he says, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, what do you think about that? You have faith? Jesus, you have faith in me. Nothing is impossible for you. Now, now, some of you might be thinking, so does that mean if I have faith that I can start flying around this room right now, that, that God's going to grant that if I really have faith? What Jesus is referring to here, he says, okay, I have given you promises all throughout Scripture. When you have faith in the promises that I have given, nothing will be impossible for you. Now, Jesus had promised the disciples, said, you will be able to cast out demons. Now, they're not able to cast out demons all of a sudden. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Jesus had told them in, our, in Matthew 10.1, it says, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over the unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. So what happened? They took their eyes off of God, and whenever they did that, they were operating in their own power, and the result of that was powerlessness. The further we move away from God, the less productive we are. There's a story about a man in rural Kentucky, and he had committed a misdemeanor crime, standing before a judge, and the judge was going to make him do community service. He said, what I want you to do is I'm going to give you some paint, a couple of gallons of paint, and uh, some uh, rollers, and you're going to paint the yellow line down the middle of the road. My guy, he went to work. He got that roller out, and he did about two miles. The judge was impressed. The next day, he did about a mile. He kind of cut back a little bit. The judge was okay. Third day, it was a quarter of a mile. The judge was getting a little irritated. He said, you know, you start off strong, and you're getting worse and worse. What's the deal? He said, well, the more I paint, the further I get, the further away that bucket of paint gets. He kept walking back and forth. Yep, that's what a lot of us do with Jesus. We, want, we wonder, where is, the, where is Jesus? And we're moving so far away from him that we become less and less productive. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, so I'll close with this. And just a question for you to think about, me to think about. Does your faith, does my faith, does it do anything? And it really, does it do anything? Is it productive? Do I really have faith in who Jesus is? Because Jesus desires for our faith to be living and active. He says, whenever you have faith, and just a little bit of faith, he said, here's what's going to happen. You're going to influence others. Your faith, that, that is a conduit of power through which God works. And he said, in your faith, just a little bit of faith. It's going to produce. Now, you might say, you know, I look at my life, I don't, I don't really see my faith producing a whole lot. And it could be for a very simple reason. It could be because you are no longer looking into the promises of God, trusting what God has promised. Maybe you've even forgotten what God's promises are. And so my encouragement for you and for me is you, I need to revisit what God's Word has to say about His promises. You know, if you have a concordance in your Bible, look at the promises of God. It's a real easy way to find them. Just start th- going through those promises and realizing the promises God gives. Y'all, let me tell you something. When God gives a promise, did you know He keeps it? And have faith in that. Even if you just, you're like, man, I sure hope this is true, but Lord, I'm just going, I'm going to trust it. I'm scared to death, but I'm going to trust that what you say is true. Have a little bit of faith. Jesus works. And there could be others of you, and you say, I, you know what, I, I don't see anything at all in my life. So I just don't feel connected to Jesus. And it could be you're not living in faith because you don't have any faith. Well, this would be a good time to start. 
But I say, I'm nervous. You have a lot of questions. You know, I want to believe. I believe there is something to Jesus. I believe that I do believe that He lived. I do believe that He can forgive. But I just got, I got, I got some outside questions. Let me tell you something. Don't don't try to answer all your outside questions. Start with a little bit of faith. Say, Jesus, I'm going to believe in you, and I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to follow you. And you start there, then that gives Jesus a foothold, a stronghold to grab on into your life and begin to take charge of your life, and he will affirm you as you step out in faith and say, Jesus, I... Maybe some of you just simply need to do that today. Just simply say, Jesus, I believe. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word that you've given us. God, I thank you so much that we see a man in this story who is very much like we are. He is a man who recognizes that he needs help. God, he he doesn't know what else to do. And he finally, in desperation, comes to you and says, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I pray that we'll be a church, that we'll be a people who will believe. God, that we will believe that we can make a difference in our families, that we can make a difference in the lives of our coworkers, our neighbors. Lord, I pray that we will be a church that believes that we can impact this area for Jesus Christ. God, may we dream big dreams. Lord, may we have huge hopes, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, God. Because you're a God who can take a little bit of faith and you can move mountains. I pray these things in Christ's name.